Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Brawl Network production. With the first pick in the NFL draft. You're listening to the Big Nickel Scouting Podcast. Well, you want to cry about it, Tom, or you want to make a little magic before the clock runs out on both of us? Here are your hosts, Joe Today, Justin Gamble, and Justin Walters. Welcome to episode three of the Big Nickel Scouting Podcast, part of the Brawl Network. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2021. One of your New Year's resolutions needs to be to listen to every Big Nickel Scouting podcast multiple times. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're streaming, wherever you're listening, and share our podcast with everyone you know. Friends, family, coworkers, random people on the street. We promise very many happy returns in the New Year if you do. Kidding. Well, maybe. I don't know. So we're uh, this is episode three. Uh, I love where things are going so far. I don't know about you guys. Arrow pointing up, big things ahead. We enrich lives, football lives on this podcast. What? Uh, <laughs> how, how are you guys feeling about how everything's going? It's going well. Is, yeah, this is going well, man. This has been fun. Ruckus <laughs> is opening up more and more each week, yeah, yeah. and uh... <laughs> if we make it through today's episode, sky's the limit. It's home free, dude. We made yeah. it through a whole year already. <laughs> yeah. And what other podcast can tell you that Mac Jones is Peyton Manning? None. Just this. And, so. and uh, fullback pads. And fullback pads. Yeah. Looking like straight I can't, trash. Bro, I can't, I can't unsee that. <laughs> I can't. Every time now, because somebody else mentioned how like geeky he looks, I'm like, not that it matters, but I'm like, oh my God, his, his, his shoulder pads are massive. <laughs> He's, he looks bad, but he plays good, so... He needs to be like in the movie Invincible with Mark Wahlberg, where he goes down to the, the equipment room and he goes, how do you expect to run in these things? And he asks for the smaller pads and he goes, the equipment guy goes, those are uh, quarterback pads. And he goes, ah, you're going to get killed in those. He goes, does it really make a difference? That's maybe what Mac needs to do. He needs to go to the equipment manager and be like, yo. I don't know how he's throwing in those big things, but that'll be a question for the combine or something we can ask him. Probably have an elite arm when he gets real pads. Right? <laughs> like throwing 70 yards down the field. Oh, man. He's Josh Allen without the pads. He can run, yeah. too. <laughs> like, man, I didn't even know you can throw over the top. <laughs> he runs a four, like a 4 three forty. Yeah. Like, dude, you've been this crazy athlete this whole time. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, um, we are here to have some fun. Well, I guess it's not in all seriousness. We're here to have some fun and talk some football. That was an oxymoron, I mean. Yeah, it was. I, uh, key on the uh, – the moron there part for me <laughs> or whatever else pops in our brains, which could be anything. So without further ado, here's the rundown for today's show. Uh, first topic will be football philosophy, which we'll talk about the quarterback timer and when a team should maybe think about moving on. A second topic will be polarizing prospects. Third topic will be surprise disappointment prospects this season, the biggest ones for each of us. And then drum roll, Ruckus has the bonus topic question. He won't tell us what it is. 
He says we're not going to be excited. I was like, dude, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. Uh, so Ice Cube's going to deliver. We know Ice Cube's going to deliver. Yes, sir. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, first topic, football philosophy. Ruckus, you came up with this one, and it's pretty intriguing. We'll call it the QB timer. At what point does an NFL team replace or think about replacing their quarterback? What variables and layers go into that decision? And what are some current examples of players in today's game where they'd be a tough call? Ruckus, you want to kick this one off? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So if you want to get rid of a quarterback or keep a quarterback, it, you know, you have five years to make a decision. So in year one, if you're going to get rid of your quarterback in year one, then you're basically taking saying it's your fault. We made a bad pick. So you probably – that's on the general manager or coach, whoever. So they probably should be fired. Year two or three – you know, it's basically it's your job to develop them. In those in those first two or two or three years, if you really aren't seeing development, and it's to the point where he's hurting your team, it may be time to consider moving on. And now four or five, that's when we really have to start considering. Hey, do we want to extend this guy? We should expect to see some sort of improvement. You know, and if if he can't accomplish what we're asking him to do, then it's really time to move on. And then after that, that's when it gets really interesting because the rookie deal is up, and now we have to decide. Hey, do we pay this guy? And I think that's that's kind of what the point of this whole conversation was to see, hey, do we pay this guy? And at that point, the the rates are incredible for quarterbacks. So it doesn't go, you know, it doesn't incrementally go up. You're paying average guys are making $30, $40 million. So I think that's one of the things I wanted to see what you guys thought of. Yes, this is a, this is a really interesting conversation, and we wanted to include it in the podcast. So uh, I think we mentioned this last week. Every show – we're going to break up our, our, our podcast in like three parts. One of them, or one of the topics is going to be about like football philosophy or like team building, construction, blueprint, uh, scouting, eval. We kind of want to get in depth. And this one kind of hit home because the market rates for these quarterbacks is, are, are nuts. At what point does that become maybe not a sunk cost, but are you inhibiting your team from building if you're investing that amount of money in a guy who's – not a top five guy, not a top 10 guy. Like where's the line that you draw on these guys? I don't know, Gamble, if you uh, want to step in here. Um, mm. Like what are your kind of thoughts? I know the money part of it's confusing, but it's more how do you decide if a guy's worth building towards or building with or if he's replaceable, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the question is like I kind of asked myself and I put in our rundown for us to ask was like, can your quarterback, can you win a Super Bowl with your quarterback? If you pay this guy, can you win a Super Bowl with him? And what's your window for doing so? And then how much better can your current team get if you pay this guy 
shoot 40 mil plus. And I think that's a really big aspect of the thing is like, if you pay someone just because he's average and you don't feel like starting over, well, does paying him get you over the hump or are you just paying him, like I said, just to not start over? So, and I think like with Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco, I can't even remember. A lot of average quarterbacks, they'll get paid just because it's easier to say, well, we've had this guy in our system for two years. He's proven that he's at least decent. It's worth it to not start over with a rookie or, you know, a draft pick. Like, but then they handicap their teams for, you know, many years to come. And that's, that I think, yeah, that's where in the chat we've all been talking, like, who do we pay? And we had a long talk about Dak Prescott of what is he worth? Can he really win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys or what roster he has? And if they do pay him, is the rest of the Cowboys roster done? And I mean, I, I don't think I haven't found like an answer myself. I don't know. It's like, it feels like a case by case thing. I think you guys have gone a little more in depth on it, but those are at least the questions I wanted to put out there just to see what we really came up with. Also, I think the thing you have to consider is when you pay this guy, who's leaving, you know, like when you go from your quarterback making $5 million a year to $45 million a year, that's three or four quality players leaving. You know, and I right. think you want to see growth. Like, it's not too often you get a Russell Wilson who at the beginning was a game manager. You know, he, it, the team was carrying him. And now it's to the point where it's the other way around where he's earning that money. You, don't, yeah. you know, there, there aren't a lot of those. I think that's where it's, it's tough. Teams have to have – basically have the guts. You know, it takes guts of the general manager and security because if you let your quarterback leave and you don't bring the right guy in, you're probably getting fired. So I think – it's, I mean, and if it doesn't work, you're probably going to fire too. So I think it's, <laughs> it's I don't know, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a rare thing for like Wilson to go from what you said, like being a complete, he fits with the team. He's a complimentary piece to now he can literally carry the Seahawks roster through the playoffs year in and year out. That's rare. So when you look at your quarterback and say like, well, can he be like Wilson? Wilson did it. Wilson's the exception, not the rule. Right. So until, unless you see a guy, like I think I was talking to some uh, Cardinals fans and I have, a few analysts that work for, with like do Cardinal stuff. And they were like, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying Murray right now because he hasn't shown the development. I mean, granted it's only after his second year, but they were like, if we had to pay him right now, how can you guarantee that he's going to get you over the hump? How can you guarantee that Cliff is going to finish developing him? You really can't. And I mean, it's, it's a first overall pick. It's a guy with crazy tools and traits, but if you don't think he can win that championship for you. How do you justify giving him the big contract he's going to want like Mahomes and Allen and a lot of these guys that are about to get paid or have already gotten paid. Right. Like you said, if you're not a playoff team with him making league minimum, what makes you think you're a Super Bowl team <laughs> with him making, you know, 20% of your cap. Exactly. And that, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough, like even not to go back to the Dak thing is he may deserve the money. But Dallas's cap is so bad right now yeah. because you're paying Ezekiel Elliott, uh, uh, Jalen Smith, and uh, Demarcus. Like those guys are making a ton of money, so it's not so much that he doesn't he doesn't deserve it, but it's you pay him, you have to hit on every draft pick from yeah. now till he, you know till twenty. Yeah, they're in a spot where they have to almost let go of an elite quarterback to maybe have enough cap to keep all those guys and try and win with the rookie. Like they handicapped themselves so badly right. that that, and that's another thing is if, if like they let Dak leave, people would be like, I can't believe Jerry didn't pay Dak or like he, he thought he was trash. He might think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but he can't pay him right now. Right. So, and that's the thing. And like golf got paid 
And that still baffles me because I feel like that was a little early. Like, he did get paid. Yeah. 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 He has a bad contract. Yeah. He has a big contract. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, they got that Super Bowl loss, but they made it at least. But now you look at golf and you're like, is he ever going to be anything above average? Really? Like, is their window, they might have a Super Bowl window, but it feels small and it feels like far away just because it would take a lot for golf to get there. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe it works with golf because he's married to McVeigh. And those two work so well together. Now you could argue, well, you could find another quarterback and slot him in because McVay's such a genius offensively and his quarterback system so friendly and kind of the narr- I think there's a lot of truth to it. The guy obviously knows what he's doing with the passing game, but with golf, you still see flashes of the high level talent that he has. It's just some of those valleys come at very inopportune times. Yeah. You start to question. It's like the variance between his highs and his lows are way too large for a guy that's making that much money or like with philly and carson wentz they're locked into that deal his his money kicks in next year and oh my god that dead cap woo, they're yeah, gonna have yeah. to eat a lot they're of cash man right so either he starts or they're gonna have to move him if they move him how much money can they eat because nobody's gonna want to take on that contract or give right. you anything substantial in a trade so i'm kind of with definitely with you guys here it it's a it's a leap of faith for sure it's not even maybe a calculated risk. It's a belief that your guy is the guy. And what happens if he doesn't take the step though? Like what happens? Like yeah. which, even big Ben in a sense, big Ben started off in a Russell Wilson type scenario where he developed with a defense and then he slowly, but surely he ascended as a passer. Uh, but for a lot of these guys, they don't have the elite defense to rely on that can help them, you know, get a pedigree of winning and all that stuff. So what's the step that they've got to take? to ensure that you feel okay. Do they have to be a top 10 guy? Do they have to be a top five guy? Do they have to get you to the playoffs and win a game? Like where does, I mean, it's obviously a very, um, maybe not an abstract conversation, maybe. Um, There's just not a right answer, which is the hard part. There's not a right answer. You know what I mean? It's like, if you have a quarterback, it's almost, I don't want to say don't be optimistic, but it's almost these days. It's like, if you don't have a quarterback who is well above average, you almost have to let him go because you can't settle for, eh, he's pretty decent. He might do it, but it's going to take a lot from the rest of the roster. It's going to take a lot from the coaching. It's almost lately. It feels like it's almost, it's worth it to just start over and draft a guy that maybe has crazy tools. Like a lot of the college kids are coming or seeing come out versus keep an Andy Dalton or keep a Kirk cousins because those guys, yeah, they look good enough and they, they can handle a, an offense well enough to get through the regular season. But can they really make the big plays in the end that like mean it all that can get you to win everything? I just don't know. It, it would, it just feels like you're asking a lot. Like the odds are against them. Where do you, uh, where do you guys stand on like a, like a graduate program? Like, is it possible to cycle through quarterbacks until you find your guy? Because I mean, because eventually you have to hit on your quarterback or else your window goes away. It's almost, unless you're an incredibly good drafter, the quarterback covers up so much. Uh, of it, if especially if you find one, uh, find a legit one, covers up so many holes. So, can the graduate system, like in college, where once the guy is a senior, he declares you have the next guy in line? Are you recruiting the next one? Are you developing the next one? Can that work? Or that would require a lot of foresight, right? And it it almost it would almost require you to feel like you could play God. Like, all right, well, we can look ahead and this next year and plan on drafting him or plan on this. And I, I mean on paper that looks really good. Right. And I, I could be wrong here, but that feels like that would be something where you try and 
plan ahead and control too many things and it could spiral so quickly. And I'm not saying if it could work that don't do it, but man, that would be, that would be really tough. And I've, and I've been told, I got told by a GM, uh, Ray Farmer, the guy who drafted Manziel. He told me one of the things he told me at the combine as the GM, one of his things that he had to learn and he got told by a lot of his mentors was do not think you can plan anything ahead as far as, okay, well, let's not take this guy in this draft. There's this guy in the next chapter. This basically just don't think you can plan ahead. Don't think you can control much because that can spiral quickly. And I think maybe that's why we see such like so many teams settling for mediocrity. I don't know. Right. So the fear of the fear of not finding the next guy. Yeah. Like I think like if you think of Dallas, Jerry Jones went years without from Aikman to Romo. You know, it's a lot of quarterbacks between there. So he had, you know, no matter what, I mean, Romo, I, I think Romo's a good quarterback, but it took a lot. They weren't, they were going to pay him no matter what. And I think that's where they are with that. Cause it's like, there's a fear of having Quincy Carter years. I'm sure my age there. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> now, now we know how old you are. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're having, uh, you know, you're stumbling. It's, 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 you gotta have confidence, I think, to develop. Cause look, look where the Eagles are now, you know, we're not going to say the Hurts pick ruined Wentz, but you're saying, okay, we want to, we want to have the next guy there, but maybe pick, you waste a second or you use a second round pick on this quarterback who was supposed to be your backup and you ruined your hundred million dollar quarterback. Maybe. Or he ruined himself. Yeah. One of the two. So it's, it's a thin <laughs> line, it's a thin line, but I think like Joe was, I think it was Joe, like Joe was saying was, can he, can this guy cover over our flaws? Yeah. That's who gets them. That's who you pay. After anyone else, like golf's replaceable, unfortunately, because McVeigh, McVeigh and Shanahan do the same thing, except golf makes a lot more than Garoppolo does. You know. Yeah. So I think. I well, know. it's the it's the can you with it's does the team win in spite of him, with him, or because of him argument. Right. And I hate you know I hate to simplify it that much, but like, like like yeah, like Joe said, if if this guy is so good that your team is trash and they're winning because of him, like basically how the Seahawks are with Wilson past few years. Right. That's, that's absolutely worth paying. But the hard part about that is some of those guys don't hit their stride till like years six, seven, eight. And so, yeah. you know, whether year three and four teams, let them go. And then they become world beaters later. And everyone's like, what a bunch of idiots. Well, they weren't that good back then, you know? And, right. and but that's the thing. Let, you can't just hope for that for everybody. You have to make your decision back then and say, is he good enough now? If not, let him go. And if he is, then we'll pay him. But I, yeah, like I said, it sucks to be like tell teams like don't be optimistic, just screw them. But that's this is a team you're. There's such a uh, especially with that fifth year now, and and money's big and part of the cap. There's so much pressure on these young quarterbacks to do well early, to either eliminate questions or have a linear development path, where you're like, okay, I see the ascension. For instance, Josh Allen. I mean, ideally, that's a type of arc that you're looking for. He'd start, he'd start, then you start to see the ascension. But it, it, with Buffalo, I think that they figured out who he was and what he needed to succeed. And that's the other aspect of it is some of these organizations don't have the neat freaking idea what they're doing. And they're putting these young quarterbacks in positions where they cannot succeed. Like Josh Rosen yeah. may not be a good quarterback, but has he actually gotten a shot? Yeah, has we have he? no idea. We have no clue. Yeah. We don't know. Or Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold may be trash. I'm not trash, but maybe he may be bad. We don't know. Daniel Jones may be a bad quarterback. Do you really know? Because these guys are in dysfunctional, losing organizations, and that wears. 
I mean, for uh, yeah, for Deshaun Watson, you have those types of guys who can maybe overcome a little bit of it. But Watson also stepped into a situation where his team was making the playoffs and he had some talent around him. So like, some of this is on the Oryx too, not just a player and not knowing what they have or even well, how to develop them. And that's why like offensive coordinators and head coaches and like a real strong organization are so important because you can't just say, well, we have a new offensive coordinator the last seven years and our offense was bad this year or last year. So we fired our last offensive coordinator. We got a new one now. Let's, let's draft a rookie quarterback. Like how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to say every single year we've been trash every single year we're resetting like nine different things, but let's bring him in here and just hope we can develop him. Like you have to have a good plan for these guys. And that's why I like Tua, Tua's in a rough spot. And I think any team that gets rid of their quarterback after year one, just admit you're incompetent because you don't draft a guy yeah. fifth overall or whatever Tua went and say, well, ah, I think, you know, there's a guy in the next draft. Let's draft him. Just yeah. say you're bad at this and, and yeah. then move on, but at least admit it because you can't do all that scouting work and say you take this, <laughs> this seriously. You know what I mean? Like this can't be this big of a deal, which it is. This is livelihoods. This is business. It's billion dollar industry. You draft a guy in the top 10 just to get rid of him next year and say, well, we messed up. No, absolutely not. That's on you. Not you don't, on look, you don't look at a franchise like that pick is like a lottery ticket. Like, yeah. Especially when Justin Herbert was available to you. And we could look back and say that they made a massive mistake passing, but it's like they, if, if they do move on for Tua, which they've committed to him, but who knows? Arizona also committed to Josh Rosen that, that one year before they ended up drafting Kyler. But if they were to move on, it's like you basically saw the number five pick as money ball. It's like, we've got this pick. Yeah. Next year, we've got the Houston pick. We've got like 50 first round, not 50, but if we've got multiple picks, we could just draft another guy. And it's like, that is a terrible way to run a football team, man. Yeah, you suck. If that's your plan, you suck. And you do not belong. It's, set, it's, it's maybe not setting two up to fail, but it's not setting them up to succeed. And that's that's kind of the issue. And to, again, two might not be good, but go ahead, Ruckus. No, but so I'm sorry about that. But also, also, like you were saying, is you picked them over Herbert, right? So – when you made this choice, the flaws with Herbert were, you know, whatever they were, but the strengths of him were he was were tools. He was tool. He had physical tools and those type of things. Whereas Tua was more of a um, he's a pocket guy, so it was going to take time to develop. So you chose what what he was bringing to the table over the tools. Yeah. And now you're not commit developing. to it, right? Or if he's going to fail, you're not even letting him do what what he's been doing his whole life. You know, you had him under center. You had him running. Ryan Fitzpatrick's offense and failing at it, which why wouldn't he, you know? Right. And I think that's part of the issue there. You know, I, well, it's like, I, I, I hate to switch sports, but it's like, it's like if you draft Steph Curry and you say, Hey man, go be an above the rim power dunker <laughs> drive to the hoop every time and finish physically. No, that's not what he does. He's a passer. He's a shooter. He can create space for himself, but you can't say, Hey, do everything that we drafted you not to do and abandon what you're good at. You have to let him become the player you asked, you wanted. Like, yeah, if, if you evaluate these two guys side by side, you know what they are. You put your foot in the sand and you said, this is our fifth pick. That's it. This is what we're going to do. To just abandon that pick and abandon the evaluation you did on Tua is absolutely crazy. And it is funny that Herbert went right after him because they're such different style guys in every single way that you commit to one and now you're like, ah, maybe we'll draft Zach Wilson because he's got tools. What happened last year? You know what I mean? Right. It's like two was a guinea pig. It's like, uh, uh, no, 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 that's not the way we should have gone. And yeah, play seven games and we'll see if it worked out. Didn't. Okay. Nah, maybe we can get into, the- 
maybe we can get into like the Dolphins and what Flores did with Tua and Fitz in the future show, but it just boggles my mind. It's... Like trying to wrap my head around what the thought process there was the development and so many questions that I have and it doesn't make sense for a guy that you are committing to. Just didn't yeah. feel like it on the surface. So, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I thought this, this was interesting. I don't know if we actually gave you any answers. <laughs> uh, we, we did promise this in that first episode. We said sometimes we're going to open up a topic and we may have more questions at the end because it's just a fluid discussion, <laughs> right? This may have been one of those, but I think the answer we're coming to is, He's got to be. He's got to be a guy you win because of, to to feel okay paying that money, or you're taking a calculated, maybe not a calculated risk, into giving a quarterback money that you're gonna end up overpaying for, and then you're gonna expose other holes in your roster that you either have to let go or you're gonna have to. And Rucka said this before the segment that you're gonna have to hit on every pick, and that's yeah. a lot of pressure on a GM. So, and the thing, the, one last thought that I want to throw out there is like you can overpay for a quarterback but it's still worth it. Like Mahomes, even if the rest of the roster is kind of subpar and they struggle a little bit, it doesn't matter because you weren't going to let Mahomes go. So you, you have to commit sometimes to say, all right, we're going to overpay. And it's worth it to not lose Mahomes or it's worth it to maybe not lose Josh Allen. We're going to give them anything they want and the rest of the roster might suffer, but at least that's in our plan and we're going to commit to that and we're going to keep this otherworldly talent. You know what I mean? Versus... Eh, well, we don't want to overpay for like the two, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So someone else can take them. Like that's how the market goes. Yeah. That's what you brought up the other day, Joe. Is like the market and it how, or maybe it was right. I don't know. We have our chat is, is pretty. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah. I mean, the market for a quarterback is what dictates it all. And if you have to overpay, you have to overpay. I don't know about the audience or our you know listeners, but I feel like I learned a lot there. So that was nice. That's what we do. We uh, we enrich lives <laughs> and we teach gamble football. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so transitioning to topic two, second segment. Um, this is where um, we 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 might get canceled, but it's a third. It's we got three shows before we. Uh, no, we're we're kidding. But polarizing draft prospects in this class, and we're going to go Penne Sewell and Micah Parsons. And we chose these two for specific reasons, and it's not to raise hell on social media. In fact, we give a shit. Pardon my French about social media. Uh, we just want to talk and, and challenge the process and kind of lay our thoughts out there. Uh, we're not here to make waves or to piss people off, at least not on purpose, uh, but we'll, we'll challenge the evaluation prospect or evaluation process on prospects like this. So uh, Gamble, you want to kind of hop in on, on you kind of, you're waiting for this one. Well, no, I'm actually you weren't. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I've been talking I'm about just, this for a while. <laughs> no, but I think it's something that we need to talk about because he's one of those prospects that it feels like his eval was set in stone. Segment two, polarizing prospects, right after this quick break. Happy New Year's from our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and is here to help you have clean balls in the new year, ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Manscaped is here to give you a New Year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The Perfect Package 3.0 is the below-the-way screaming package you need to start off strong this year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third-generation trimmer even has a light to shine to the promised land 2021 looks to be. It's also time to freshen up down there in the New Year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chaving ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 
Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep you keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your underwear game to the next level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code XXX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code XXX. New year, new balls. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So this segment, we uh, dedicated to talking about Micah Parsons and Penny Sewell. Um, I think mostly because these two have been the most polarizing prospects we've talked about as just us three in the group chat. And, you know, like we've seen on Twitter, we've read in articles on NFL.com, we've heard on podcasts, whatever. Um, No matter where you go, it feels like you can't really mention these guys without it kind of being a big topic. It's it's interesting. Um, Sewell is who we'll start with, the left tackle from Oregon. Uh, I think he's been polarizing because before this year, before he opted out, he was kind of told to everyone that he's this elite tackle prospect and that there's no holes in this game. He's going to be the next coming of – pace or joe thomas or whoever you want to say and uh i think once all three of us turned on the tape and watched pretty much every i think we all watched pretty much every game or as many as we could i watched this whole night 2019 and you get that feeling what you like ruckus told me there's like five snaps in you're like all right this is not what i was expecting but you know keep watching and then um the more we watched we all came away with or especially i did i'll speak for myself just so twitter doesn't get mad at everybody but uh it, it wasn't what I thought. It wasn't that I saw a bad prospect, but it was that I saw a prospect with holes. Uh, I saw a guy that might be a better guard than tackle. Not that he's going to be a bad tackle, but I think his strengths, his dominant traits, and that the way he plays almost translates to guard more. Um, he's young. He was only 19 when he played his last season. He sat out this year. But there's just a lot of holes in his game. There's some balance issues. There's hand placement issues. There's... Um, certain athleticism questions that I would have because I think he was billed as the best athlete of all time at the left tackle position. And I don't think he's that. Um, When I was watching his Washington game, I couldn't believe how many times he ended up on the ground and ended up on the ground is generous way to describe it. I think Ruckus texted me and said, this is like bloopers. There was a few plays. There was probably four or five plays in that game where he's going heels overhead and he's fallen in hilarious ways. Um, He's still a great prospect. He's still a great player, but I definitely think, and I tweeted this out, I think right after last season when I got into his tape or over the summer that if he was in last year's class, he's hands down behind Wills, Becton and Wirfs and him and Andrew Thomas are probably similar caliber players. I think Andrew Thomas probably had more balance and uh, more like functional strength with, with his balance where Sewell probably has a little more um, short area athleticism and probably could move into guard where I don't think Thomas would be a good guard. But those are kind of my thoughts, and it was that this is a guy that we haven't heard any negatives about. But once you get into the tape, it's kind of easy to see that there's a lot of issues that, that stand out. So I'll let you guys kind of jump in now, and we can hear your thoughts and discuss. But um, I'm just – I'm not sold that this is a top-five pick, hands-down, elite prospect one bit. Yeah, to go with that, I mean, I, I think, like you were saying about Thomas, is 
Thomas has more know-how, <laughs> just a way of getting things done, whereas Sewell has tools. And I think that's what makes it interesting is there's a lot more projection for a player that's supposed right. to be a sure thing. And I think, I mean, you can see, you can see what everyone loves about him. You know I mean? You can, they're, they're, the tools are there. And I, I mean, you can see what everyone loves about him. There's, he's, as, he's a light on his feet. You know, he, he has a nice little kick slide, you know, like a quick one, two out of his, his feet, but it's just, just a lot of issues. You know, he leaves his chest open, his hand placement, he's always wide, you know, which allows, it allows him to struggle kind of with the bull rush. You know, well, like you said, he never wins pass rushing reps with his hands. Right. And that's why you text me, you go, what tackle doesn't, what dominant tackle doesn't win pass rush reps with his hands? Like he lets him get into his chest and he kind of like fat kid bear hugs him, which is yeah. like, it sounds stupid, but it's the truth. He looks like an overweight kid that's like bullying other kids in the playground, but he's like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Not a clue. And it, but, it, but it works here. That's, like that's where, that's where it works in college. But I yeah. think you're going to run into pros where they put hands on you when it's over. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be an issue at the next level, until, you know, unless he can fix it. And his hand, the hand placement has to be inside. You know, you, you're not going to put your arms around a Bosa or around any yeah. <laughs> halfway decent power rusher. So Darius Smith's not going to let that happen. He's right. going to destroy you. Yeah. Right. And I mean, another thing like, like we were talking about is I don't want to get into the guard tackle thing, but when you look at this, the traits that are most are things on tape that you would consider somewhat elite, it's his down blocking. You know, he has a nice skip, nice footwork on a the little pull where he pulls and gets to the second level. Yeah. You know, if he can latch on quick, he's good because he, he doesn't, he comes up too fast. So, I mean, he has two steps and then he's standing straight up, which doesn't work against anyone, you know, linebackers, yeah. they're going to, you're, you're, you're just, it's just not going to work for you. And I think that's, you're looking at his best traits and you're saying guard. And a lot of the projection is as a tackle. And I think that's, that's what Twitter loves. And I mean, that's what we all love, which means, but you're loving it more as mid first round, as opposed, if you're saying t- tackle only, you're saying, oh yeah, yeah no, 50, if I can get him at 15 and we tighten up a few things, you might have a legit player. But when you're saying he's the best player in the draft, you're, yeah, that's, well, and the other thing, too, people bring up, like, he was young. He was only 19, so he declared right after that season. So he's still going to grow into his body, blah, blah, blah. That's great. You're right. But then why are we projecting him so high? Why are we saying he's flawless? No, you can – because that, that's, that's really contradictory to say, well, all those issues that you're talking about, it was only because he was young. Okay, so you're admitting he has issues. Well, no, he's the greatest tackle prospect of all time. <laughs> Which one is it? You got you to gotta pick your player. And he feels like that guy that, like, on Madden when you're, like, trying to build your roster and put all the best guys at the best spots – He's that guy that if you shuffled into left guard, his rating would be like a 90. But if you put him at left tackle, it would drop to like an 89 or like an 80. And you're like, okay, so he's still a pretty good tackle. Well, yeah, but he's a better guard right now. And I'm not saying he should even be moved to guard, but yeah, a lot of his dominant reps came in a phone booth or came when he's asked to be a road grader and kind of just bully people. But when there's finesse involved and like, like you said, when you take that kick slide after first two steps, it's like, well, what is he doing? He kind of just, he's winging it. And that's where a lot of those ugly reps come in where you see him kind of like flailing his arms kind of leave his body and he falls over hilariously. And you're like, why did that happen to the best tackle prospect I'm ever supposed to see? Where <laughs> last year you look at Worfs and Wills and they're crazy freakish twitty, twitchy athletes that can do anything that can handle speed power. And they're so coordinated. And then you have Becton, who's just a monster who has length for days. He's so wide that even if he has a bad rep, the, the time it takes for a rusher to get around him 
already allowed the quarterback to either see it and step up or get rid of the ball. So even his flaws were just like, all right, well, well, he'll figure it out eventually. And he's already good enough to where it doesn't matter. Where Sewell, like it was weird, and you texted me this, is like speed was better for him than power. Power was he, – he was lost. It was just like, here's my chest. Come ruin me. Come forklift me. And luckily he was big enough to where it didn't kill him all the time. And he's in the Pac-12 to where he's not facing, you know, the, the who's who – of sec rushers like alex leatherwood has or wills last year or the the georgia guys so it looked better for him because he's facing so many undersized guys and just not great nfl prospects but yeah i'm not (laughs) i'm not seeing uh the greatest tackle that i'm supposed to see A, a good player yes top 20 top 15 i'll still say yeah for sure but there's a lot of projection like you said there's a lot more projection involved in this guy's evaluation than i think anyone really wants to admit yeah, you know, another thing was I think he struggled finishing blocks. Like, he couldn't stay – he can't stay on a block. He gets hands on you, and it's just I think because he's he's high and his hands are wide, yeah. he kind of just falls off, which – He doesn't look like a nat- – maybe not a natural knee bender, but it's it doesn't – it's not great for him to stay bent and drive the whole time. He doesn't roll his hips and kind of lock it, like focus the weight on his butt. You know, like right. when, you're, when right. you're squatting, you got to put the weight on your butt and you got to drive. That's not what looks like it's natural for him. He kind of wants to stand more up, you know, and that's where he falls off those blocks, like you said. And but that's another thing. That's that's when we saw Wills and Worfs last year drive block or get in space and finish blocks. I mean, they're destroying people, right? Because they that look, was more natural for them, and they, they look comfortable doing it. I think. Right. So um, we're not here to get into like you know Twitter beast or anything like that. But when I posed a question on Twitter, it was like it was just more of my thought process, right? I wasn't trying to piss anybody off. Uh, <laughs> Joe's a little, not purpose. a little bit. <laughs> a little nah. bit. Uh, but it was just like, he makes it, it's too difficult for him sometimes to be called a blue chip prospect. Like you said, with what you told me about, you know, Dredrick Rolls last year and we were kind of talking and I finally got to turn the tape on. I was like, man, this dude makes it look so easy. He's yeah. so fluid and so coordinated. It's almost effortless how he can mirror a guy and doesn't give up any pressure. So with Sewell, he's kind of like struggling. He's kind of struggling. I'm like, all right, I see some tools, but to your guys' point, I have worries with projection when it's not on tape. Like if I see it on tape and I'm like, okay, there's a foundation, a base layer of skill and ability and consistency. Okay. Then I'll project it up and feel comfortable about it. If I can't see it, I don't like to project it. I would rather be wrong by saying, I don't know if he can do it and he does it than saying, you know what? It's not there, but I'm going to project it and him not be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to be blind in projection. Not how I feel comfortable with. And Daniel Jeremiah said it too. He goes, project things that you can see on tape. And that's kind of what I've always taken through my process. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. but No, it does. With Sewell, it's just like, I'm not saying like every tackle should be moved to guard. I'm not, not at all saying. I'm just <laughs> looking at the guy like in the phone booth, right? He is so strong. And coming downhill, like Ruckus was saying, on, um, when kind of coming around a, on a corner on a pole, I was like, he's monster, dude. He's like a road grader. Scare, like scare the crap out of you type. So Looks like a guard. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I was saying. I was like, there's just not a natural. He looks so much better in space where he can use his power and when it's condensed in than when it's kind of spread out. And it's the movement and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't see where's the hype coming from. Like, yeah. he's young. He's 19. That's cool. But just because he's young, 19, and has some tools, it doesn't make him a blue chip prospect. He could be a, like – before the show, we were like, oh, this guy could actually be a Hall of Famer. We could all be wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. That's perfectly fine. I don't mind being wrong. It's just I'm not seeing enough to be like, oh, that's a top 10 five or a top five lock. 
Whereas yeah. I watched, I watched Darisaw and I'm like, that guy looks like he has it put together on like outside, right? Like he looks comfortable. He looks fluid. He looks smooth. He looks like he knows what he's doing. You're right. Sewell does not know, look like he knows what he's doing. And yeah. He's 19. Sorry. I'm rambling a little bit. Uh, but the, like, that's the whole thing though, is you gotta be able to be honest about his flaws. Yeah. You know saying, and I think that's the, the problem with both of the guys we're, about, we're talking about today is like, for some reason, mainly I think just their recruiting profiles coming out of high school, they were talked about as these otherworldly, absolutely superhero prospects and that their physical tools are unbelievable. And so everyone had this like whole group think thing where we all have to be up here on them. And then if anyone says anything different, well, I have the majority behind me. So no, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Where I'm not going to really do the work to see like, this isn't what we thought it was. It's okay to have a really high opinion on a prospect and then watch him and be like, you know what? This is a fluid process. So he's not what I thought he was. That's okay. That's a big, like no big deal. That's what happened with Trevor Lawrence this year. And I think everyone's kind of seeing that is that, you know, just like, like Lawrence Sewell is the same way, even though he sat out is we expect something. He's not necessarily that we can still say he's really good but acknowledge the flaws are there without just saying, okay, he's flawless. Absolutely. You're not allowed to say anything like that. And I think that's just what happened. It started too high and you're not allowed to come down on these guys anymore without the group thing coming at you. But we don't really care about that here. Which is, which is kind of, <laughs> now we don't, which is kind of similar with, with Parsons. Now I was a little late to the, I've been tracking quarterbacks because quarterbacks are kind of my thing, I guess. Um, nice guy. I enjoy watching them. And then I, I've known I've needed to catch up with some guys and gamble and ruckus, but you know, you need to watch Parsons. It's like, okay. I went with an open mind, a couple snaps in. I'm like, I hate judging a guy off of a few snaps. I'm like, this dude doesn't look comfortable here. He can, you can just, for me, I could just tell you, he looks like he's a big time athlete that when he sees it, he's fine. When he doesn't see it, the feet are start to get a little choppy and the feet are the sign of the mind, right? Like if they're, not coordinated or if they're overworked, it's a sign of a confused, chaotic mind at the position. And I was like, Ooh, he's taking a lot of false steps. Ooh, he's a little late here. Missed that run fill. And he doesn't play really all that physical either when he's trying yeah. to stack. I'm like a guy with that girth and that, that rocked up. It's like, I want to see this guy smash somebody in the mouth, you know, and it's not there. So I was like, uh, then he'd start to like rush a little bit off the edge. And I was like, but he'd be, I, and I'm, I'm that's I, where it's at. I, yeah. I don't want to be switching prospects around, but I was like, he kind of looks better as a pass rusher. And Gamble was like, well, you know, he was recruited as a pass rusher out of high school. I was like, oh, that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. That yeah. makes sense. So this kind yeah. of on the, but that's why we're getting into Parsons too, just because he's, he's kind of polarizing. Yeah. I think the main thing with Parsons is no one's disputing that he's a great athlete. Um, but how anyone can project him comfortably at literally any spot in the NFL is tough because if you want to say, well, he's a great pass rusher, he'll be a better pass rusher. That's cool. But he didn't do that at Penn state. So now you're going to have a raw pass rusher on your hands and you're going to have to say he's good at something that you haven't seen him do uh, minus a few reps here and there. If you say, oh, he's a great off ball linebacker. Well, you're crazy there. Cause his tape at off ball linebacker was crap. Even his Memphis game was freaking rough, dude. It was him, I mean, the, his two quarterback sacks were, I think they were just green dog blitzes. I mean, his, the running back stayed in, and he was like, cool, I got the green light, let's go. Uh, his reverse that he blew up in the backfield, he was starting to blitz before that guy went in motion. He met him in the backfield and was like, what? what's up, dude? You know, here's not, the time. Nice, like, nice seeing you here. Yeah, awesome. You have the ball? Sweet. Yeah, it wasn't like that was instinct. So, the, so there's three plays that are big on the stat sheet that – 
Those are those were called from his coat. Those weren't real. They weren't him making the choice. Oh, I've studied the tape. I've done this. I got no. Those were erase those. Right. Then you go to his tape and coverage in that game. They ran slant flats at him so many times on the edge uh, out of a two wide receiver set. And I don't know how many times he had no clue what was coming. Every single time he'd bite on his guy outside and watch this slant go right behind him. And at no point was he like, oh, this is the last game of the season. I should know what the slant flat looks like by now. Nope, got beat on it every time. In coverage in the middle of the field, I don't know how many times you see him just standing still looking around. Or he would declare very early what his intentions were and, and run one way or the other, giving the quarterback an easy, okay, that's the guy we were keying, throw over here. Every single time, it's like Parsons has no idea what to do. Then you go to the run game. At no point in that game did he handle a climber or anyone coming at him well. It was passive. It was attacking the wrong shoulders. It was not using his hands. It was lethargic, trying to get tackles. He's misdirected super easily. So project him to off-ball linebacker if you want. But that's a third-round player right there. That's a, that's a sick athlete who has no clue what he's doing. And some people will say, well, maybe he's a Devin White type player. Maybe, but that's just saying anyone who's really fast can be Devin White because that's all he is. You know what I mean? And then if you say, well, like, yeah, like I said, if he's a pass rusher, cool. That's also, he's super raw there, but he's a big time athlete. That's for sure. He's long, he's lean, he's fast. I think the main issue I have with him is just what is he going to play? And if you don't know what he's going to play, why are you taking him so high? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Woo! I agree with what <laughs> both of you guys said, man. I, I, Joe, Joe actually said earlier, it's weird to a guy that's that fast, strong, big, and yet doesn't take on blocks. Like, like at all. Of, I've seen him, like, it's, a lot of times he's taking himself out of creating a run lane, like ducking around a block. Or So I think it's, it's really going to come down to not even a fit because there is no real fit. I mean, the position I see him at, is a position that's not even on the field consistently. You know, a, a strong, a Sam linebacker who you put him in a spot and they, this is your gap. One assignment on one side of the field where he only is only looking one way. So it's okay. Attack my gap. Hey, nothing here. Chase the ball. I mean, that's yeah. what's what you have. I mean, I think when you start having him do too much, it's not even that he moves his feet. He stands there, you know, and he's just watching what's going on. And next thing you know, a guard's on him yeah. and he's now he's stuck. So I think, I think a lot of that is, again, it's, he's raw. He's raw at the position, but how do you project that as a top 10 pick? You know, and then the coverage, like I said, sometimes in pass, passing downs, either he's chasing stuff that's not there or he doesn't move at all. And then as, I mean, as a blitzer, but what do you, <laughs> what position is that coming from? You know, That's Isaiah you, Simmons last year, just go after the quarterback. Like, oh, that's not really a position, as we've learned in the NFL. Like, it doesn't translate. You can't just say go. If you ten real. guys, you ten guys are playing zone. I'm just, you just this one guy is just gonna be the free guy. Yeah, I'm the green dog. No, that's yeah. not the NFL for you. No, he's just so out of position and so unaware of what you guys had talked about this. Like not knowing what's going on. Like a play goes one way, he's going or like just misdirection type stuff, and he's like it takes him like two seconds or three seconds to recognize he's out of position. And while the other guys are like chased, like being chased, he's like turning around, like oh. Now I got to go run. It's like, <laughs> you're man in the middle, man. Like, and this is maybe not necessarily his fault. It could just be Penn state putting him at a position that he's not comfortable with and maybe should have just kept him where he was playing in high school. It's like, yeah, I just, this isn't even like a Tremaine Edmonds type because Tremaine was billed as 
the super raw guy was like, okay, but Tremaine at least looked like he knew how to play linebacker to yeah. a certain degree, even if he disagreed like with how high he went, but it was like, there's at least a baseline skill set and instinct to playing that position. Parsons, I'm trying and I'm like, dude, like, I just, I don't know what you're seeing out there. And that's kind of a problem when you're evaluating a guy, if you're not knowing what he's seeing, he's probably not knowing what he's seeing. Either. Yeah. Well, so. to, to, to his, to his credit though, he does look intimidating in the middle of the field. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he does. In so the, maybe, the, maybe teams won't attack him then. <laughs> maybe they'll stay away. I think the other thing was like, if he plays middle linebacker, I was thinking I was telling, telling uh, Gamble this yesterday. If he's, if he's playing middle linebacker, he's going to, he'll get, he'll get 80 to 100 tackles. But he has a way of turning like a four yard gain into an eight yard gain. Right. Because he's reading it late, but he's, I mean, you got to give him some credit because the guy's an amazing athlete. Yeah. He, he finds the ball. He'll find the ball, but it's too late. Way too late. Right? Yeah. So it's like said, we're turning four-yard gains into eight-yard gains. Yeah. And I think – so, I mean, for the stat sheet, that'll look good. You know, and then you blitz him twice and he gets two sacks and you got a nice-looking stat sheet. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's where – and that's where I think just finding out how to use him is going to be your issue. Because you're not going to put him at defensive end. I, I, we're, we're past that. <sighs> No. So it's gonna, yeah. and there's not a whole lot of three four going around. So he's he's a, and unless he goes with a team like Seattle or someone that stays in a four three, you know that doesn't bring the nickel back on the field. He's he's the same linebacker, you know, plays on the strong side and again in the middle of the field it's too much to look left and right and straight. Yeah. At least on one side of the field he doesn't have to look. He's only looking one direction. And he's chasing the ball. Or if you play him inside, you have to put him next to a thinker you know what i mean like a guy that makes him right okay so he's next to i don't know a one of those you know a fred uh fred as a fred warner type yeah fred yeah i think yeah (laughs) someone that's someone that's gonna actually who can actually read someone that corrects his mistakes of being a freed style player he's like there and he's like oh man this guy went left oh i guess i gotta like that (laughs) i'll I'll fix it yeah what's he doing in my gap all right i'll I'll cover him i think that's (laughs) That's the way, only way it's like, like we're talking about with Devin White and Levante David. You know, yeah. Levante David's doing the thinking. And Devin White is a pro bowler now. but Because he runs straight, which is good. Like, it works for them. Right. right. But, yeah. And the way, the, the, like, the crappy thing, too, is, like, when you watch Parsons' athleticism on tape, you get glimpses of, like, a Von Miller type in college where he's allowed to kind of freestyle and do whatever he wants. But Parsons just, I mean, granted, he's, Parsons is playing a different spot. He's stuck in the middle but you get those flashes of like oh man what an athlete like this dude right. can do some insane things but where they placed him how new he is to the position all these things just didn't really let him flourish into what we want him to be but the main problem i had in a lot of games too was like in the second half especially like the memphis game was the one i keep bringing up because that's his highlight game like that's the game everyone's like oh my god you see that, that he's a first rounder top whatever whatever in the second half i've never seen a more disinterested player in the run game and in, on so many plays where you're like, dude, he wants nothing to do with this game. He has no interest in tackling. There was one tackle where he goes into a guy. He doesn't even really bend over or wrap his arms. He kind of just lets the ball carrier jolt him. And then he kind of grabs him and all his boys come and like help him make the tackle. And there are so many plays like that, especially with climbers where he would just let them wash out, wash him out. And he's kind of like turning his back to them and they're shoving him and the ball is, the ball carrier is running by him. And so I'm like, I don't know if he's just disinterested because he knows he's not good at this. Like, he doesn't want to play this position. 
because he doesn't love football, which I don't think it's that. But you have to wonder, like, these players, what do they want to play when they get to the NFL? We said that about Isaiah Simmons last year. I wonder what he thinks he's good at. I wonder what he thinks he'll excel at or, like, what he wants to make his money doing. And I have that same question with Parsons. I don't – does he think he's a pass rusher? Does he think he's a Mike? What is his – what's his niche? Like, what's he passionate about? So, I don't know. On tape, it was so hard to say I can project him to do these things when he didn't do that in college at all, you know. It's kind of kind of difficult to project, right? Yeah, a little bit. Just just like Sewell. Well, no, at least we know Sewell's one of two things. Yes, the, the difference, right? <laughs> like, you feel comfortable with Sewell as a tackle because at least he's shown a baseline, right? Like, okay, maybe he's better at guard, but he probably could play he's, tackle, right? He's serviceable. Pretty, He'll be serviceable right? at work. We don't know if Parsons yeah, yeah. will be serviceable as a linebacker. That's kind yeah. of, or if he's going to end up being a liability. So, we hope you all enjoyed that segment. Uh, we call it polarizing prospects. We'll probably bring it back as we go on with the show. And uh, if we see a, a guy that either that's way too low or way too high, probably bring this one back in the fold because it's a really good conversation. So third topic is the biggest disappointments and the biggest surprises for prospects this year. And we're each going to choose one of them right after this break. I think Ruckus is going to lead this one off. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So we're going to start with um, the most surprising players. For me, um, well, the most surprising player was a few obvious ones. So I went with the little under the radar guys. Was um, Javante Williams from North Carolina. He's a 5'10", 220-pound running back. And um, start the season kind of an unknown, but he um, split time with Michael Carter, who was also in the draft. But uh, Williams had 157 carries for 1,140 yards, 19 touchdowns. He's a physical all-purpose back, like a tone setter. So I think he could, he could probably be a, be a workhorse for a team. You know, he doesn't have a lot of uh, wear and tear on, him, on his shoulders, but he's definitely a, a, um, an all-around guy who could probably step in and start. You know, he can catch, too. Yep, expecting him to be a early day two pick, you know, and will likely at least be a running back three. And I'm not gonna lie, he probably could move up my my board to be honest with you. I'm not gonna. I got more tape to watch, but oh, put it out there, man. He's gonna move up the board. <laughs> we got to it now. I'm just kidding. Got a lot of bad takes out there. I'm gonna hold off on that one. And I'm gonna steal a second one. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. He was known for the whole uh, blowing that game by the whole crapping on the um, thing last year. Remember the, the egg uh, ball, the egg ball, right? Yeah, yeah. When, he, he when he peed on the fire hydrant, right? Oh, yeah. Man. He was known for that, but he, um, <laughs> this season he stepped it up and changed, changed the narrative a little bit. It's a little small, 5'9", 185. It's short, not small, but he had a big season, 86 catches, 1,193 yards, eight touchdowns. And he only played eight games because he opted out the last two, but yeah has a way of feeding his best player, you know, like he did with Cooper at Alabama. So this was definitely their best player. I mean, he got, got him the ball in every way possible. So, um, I mean, they just – he's an amazing stop and start ability, a great route runner, you know, finds openings in zones, can catch, you know, hands catcher. You know, he's just 
quality player. I can see him going, um, probably worked his way up to a top 10 receiver in this class. And it's a pretty deep class. So being a top 10 receiver is you know, a big thing. Um, just looking forward to seeing him move, moving forward. Probably a day two pick, early day two pick. And then um, moving forward to my uh, biggest disappointment, probably everyone's biggest disappointment. <laughs> One of them. One of them. Yeah. yeah. Sean, Sean Wade's been really bad this year. <laughs> I mean, he was in that pipeline of a school that's known for putting out the next corner. So we just kind of assumed, hey, he's next. And I mean, if you, a, a sick, bigger guy playing the slot, you would think, hey, he's got good footwork. And, you know, with his length, you would have thought he projected outside pretty well. But not so much, I guess. So, not uh, so much. <laughs> I mean, that, those, those reps against Cornell Powell were really bad. You know, he twisted him around three times and then fell, put his hand on the ground, got up, fell again. Yeah. I mean, if Clemson went after him, I think it might have been a different game if they <laughs> stayed Wade. You know, and not only that, I mean, every big game, you know, the Penn State game, I think I sent you some reps of him, the kid Dotson getting him. You know, he missed missed the jam. I mean, it, what's scary is he didn't lose one way. He lost every way this year. You know, there's him losing in press. There's him losing in off. There's – he was decent in zone, you know, some cover three. He made some good reads in cover three. But, I mean, he just really struggled. I think his cop – I mean, Indiana – not to mention, in the Indiana game, I think it was a Freifogel. He yeah, Freifogel. Oh, he's good, though. He's good. He's a good. big game against him. So, I mean, and then he – so, you got him there struggling against the catch point. You know, struggling at the catch point. You have him missing the press. You have him miss – playing bad and off. So, I mean, the projection to safety, I mean – What's the assumption that just everyone can go to safety? <laughs> no, just if you're, you're bad. <laughs> right, right. You, yeah, we can't project. We can't switch guys from tackle to guard, but you can go cornerback to safety right. now. It's it's perfectly fine. Right. You, can't, you can't cover. You can obviously play safety. So, I mean, no, he does a good job, you know, in the back. He's, he, he did last year. In the you think – I saw it – sorry, to interrupt. I saw a tweet oh, that was like uh, – I forget who it was from. They were talking about Wade, and they asked – they said, you know, nickel cornerbacks usually don't go high, but Wade might be the exception if he can slide inside because he's good in space. What are your thoughts on him as like a nickel projection? I, they didn't really use him the way – like he – He wasn't a nickel-nickel at Ohio State. He, they blitzed him, and he, he, he's, he's a good tackler. But, I mean, I think this, this year I think it just snowballed on him. I think he got off to a rough start, and he lost his confidence. Because, I mean, even – just watching the way he he run he's running from the receivers, you know he's just like that scared to get beat. Like he's just bailing off one step. I mean that's not gonna work against Alabama. <laughs> Hasn't no. worked all season, so I don't know if it's gonna work against the Heisman Trophy winner. But I just I think I think he's better than he's shown. I just think the confidence is it's just the years just lost on him. You know it's gonna hurt his draft stock, no no doubt about it. But I think he's a better player than he's shown. But to just assume it's going to work in another position, I, I wouldn't do that either. You know, I think somewhere between what we saw him in the slot last year, because, I mean, he does have some bad tape earlier in his career when, you know, Rondell Moore killed him in the slot. So, I mean, it's not like he was a dominant slot defender. They, they, had, they were creative with the way they used him, you know, yeah. with the blitzing and, you know, using him as kind of, kind of like a little bit of a linebacker slash safety slash corner. So, I think, you know, there's, there's work to be done, but, I mean, he, he can be fixed, I guess. He's, he's, he had a good rep. I had a tweet earlier this year against Nebraska where he was playing off and he transitioned inside to outside and had a, a pass breakup. And so he's good in space. He's got good hips. 
uh, it's like when he knows what he's doing there, it's like anytime though he has to, he's asked to be sticky in coverage, he either gets lost or he gets just absolutely wrecked. Right. But he had a really good rep against Nebraska. I was like, Ooh, this guy. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, Justin sent me that saying about, you know, basically being a, in, in the cover, in the zone in cover three, he made his read. I think, like I said, just losing some reps early makes you start really hesitate about getting ran by. And I think that's his concern right now. Is, so, I mean, that's pretty much all I had. If he has a big combine, he could probably still go kind of high, I guess. But I don't know if he, I don't know if he will. That's the thing. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> see like I don't see crazy traits on tape. You know, like solid, yeah. But I don't know if he's gonna blow up the combine and then having a year plus ish of bad tape one year and solid tape last year. Like I don't. I don't know how that high that's gonna translate. So, I guess yeah. we'll see. I mean, what do you put him inside to guard big slot receivers? I mean, there aren't there aren't twenty eight of them. So. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. He might end up being like a Malcolm Jenkins type <clears throat> right. now, where it's like he's your matchup strong safety slash. I don't even know how to really describe it because his skill set's weird. But he 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 can play in the NFL. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. You yeah. just have to kind of give him a role that isn't man coverage first off you're not press man you're not locked on he's not going to be the focal point of your defense is the main thing in coverage if he's your best guy in coverage or if he's the guy that you're saying all right we need you to lock up and the rest of the defense will work nope wrong he's got to just be a complimentary piece that kind of does his job at a solid you know level and you probably be okay but i don't know if that goes super high that's that's like a third fourth rounder so i think that's our answer to our question right there yeah well what you uh what you got for yours um hold on hold on Oh, he, he, oh, he could oh. be a big nickel. Oh, oh, oh. oh my god! <laughs> Dude, he was like, "Rockets from the clouds, light yeah, up." When he said that, <laughs> I'm definitely. I'm. Uh, we're doing live tweets. I'm definitely. Uh, nice. That was such a dad joke, Ruckus. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, some of my uh, pleasant surprises this year. I have quite a few, but I'll just only touch on like really wanted you uh, Alex Leatherwood the left tackle from Bama Jalen Phillips um, defensive end slash well yeah defensive end for Miami um, he took over Rousseau's spot and he started at UCLA he was like the top recruit ever you know and then he went to uh, Miami we weren't sure if we were going to see like the world beater he was talked up as um, and this year he he's still a little raw with his hands and uh, but the way he was able to show off his physical skill set, which is absolutely elite. I mean, this dude at his size should not move laterally and should not get off the ball the way he does. And he had some reps against Clemson and Virginia Tech where he is just a dominant physical, absolute, you know, killer. Um, and I know, I think it was DJ, Dan Jemaya was saying, like, if you squint or something, he reminds you of, like, Joey Bosa. I see that. Like, he could be that type of rusher. He might even be a little more explosive and overall athletic. So Jalen Phillips coming, I think it'll be his, definitely his medical history. And they're going to check out those knees or whatever. And that'll kind of determine how high he goes. But if he didn't have any injury history, that dude's a top 15 pick for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, and then Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle from Bama that I was talking about. I think last year, he looked a little soft-bodied. And he, he lost some reps. He lost some reps like Marlon Davidson, the big dude from, uh, big defensive end from Auburn. Um, he had some bad reps against uh, Tennessee. Was it Tennessee? I think it was Tennessee, um, where he just looked like he knew what he was doing, but he never really executed it all that well. Or he just let some guys beat him that you're like, you shouldn't have let that happen, man. This year, coming into the year, 
His body looks a little more rocked up and muscular. He looks a little like more put together. And I think <clears throat> this year you saw his anchor get better. You saw his hands get better. His quickness got better. He's washing dudes out the pocket constantly. I don't see how <laughs> this is a hot take. I'm watching Alex Leatherwood. He's the easy top 25 player. I mean, it's not even, it's not a question for me. And I think there's a debate. He's the top tackle in the draft just because his pedigree is so high. He's faced everybody you could ever think of in the SEC, basically, as far as like the top pass rushers, big guys, fast guys, small guys, power, everything. And he's doing it at a high, high level. Um, And in the run game, his feet are amazing. He's quick. He finishes. I don't know. Maybe I'm just early. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't know. But I think Alex Leatherwood is definitely one of the top tackles in the draft. Maybe the top tackle. Um, and then Quiddy Pay is one more I want to touch on because we knew last year coming into the year, this dude's a freaky athlete. He's all twitched up, but you could watch his hands and his everything, his whole game. You're like, he has no clue what he's doing. He has zero clue what he's up to this year. Game one, game two, game three, every single game from, from jump, he is murdering tackles with his quickness, with his hands. He's a beast in the run game. And you can tell like some defensive ends that are freaky athletes don't care about the run game. He was tossing people, holding them. I mean, everything you could ask for from a defensive end, Quiddy Pay has. And I think he's getting a little overlooked because people don't – you look at his frame and he's kind of like beefy, compact-looking, whatever, and you don't think he has the super high ceiling. But me and Ruckus were talking the other day, like, I think he actually has a high floor, but he still has room to grow into his game. And with what he has, he could be, uh, you know, a near elite NFL pass rusher. This dude has everything you can ask for. So um, he was a pleasant surprise because normally when you're hoping those like toolsy edge rushers develop, you're let down a lot of times, but not this year. Quiddy Pay delivered. Uh, and then quickly I'll get into my disappointments. I don't want to harp on too many guys, but uh, Travis Etienne, he had an okay year. Uh, I think we kind of, I kind of expected a little more from him to kind of really blow up and flourish in his last year in that system and in that team with Trevor Lawrence and the weapons outside and stuff. But even in the title, uh, playoff game, his, his stats were just decent. And he's just a decent running back, I think. He improved as a pass catcher for sure, but he's not a super make-you-miss guy. I don't think he's overly powerful. I think he's more average than we wanted to lead on because of his crazy speed. But um, he's not a guy that I'm taking in the first round. I don't even think I'm taking him round two. I, I think I like Trey Sermon and Javante Williams and Najee Harris a little better because I think I know what I'm getting a lot more with them. Um, and they're definitely better pass catchers than he is. So another hot take there. And then um, Patrick Sertain from Bama. Uh, all the tools in the world, fluid, long, everything you could ask for, in, you know, physically. But I think he lacks maybe a little long speed. He gave up some bad reps this year. And I think he's a guy that is going to be a little limited in press man coverage or just man-to-man. He's not super competitive on in-breaking routes. He's very good. But I think from a top prospect talked up like he is, you want them to dominate all the time. And there were a lot of times he looked a little disinterested or just a little limited. Um, so I still think he's probably a top 20 player. But to say some of these, I see him in mock drafts, like in the top 10, top five, even, I don't think that's, I don't think necessarily right. So he didn't really disappoint, but it was kind of just, I was hoping to see a more well-rounded game from him this year. And it, just, it kind of let down a little bit. I think he's best in his own scheme, um, but he's not the typical Bama cornerback that just beats you up and punches you in the mouth all game he's very cautious that's his word that's the word i when i cautious. watch him, that's the word that hits me is safe very cautious like, yeah but but i mean he he's supports in the run i mean it's yeah, just but, a 
When he lets it go, like there are, there's a, a couple plays in uh, oh, the Clemson game, where he flashed a little bit. Like he okay, in the flatters, okay. he came up and rocked somebody, and I was like, yeah. "Where's this guy been?" I'm like, "I want to see." Is he waiting to be challenged, or is he not overly aggressive? Like that's what we were trying to figure out all year with him. It's like he should be better. He should be more dominant than he is. So what's the deal? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. I asked uh, I asked Justin to give us or Gamble to give us two guys, and he ended up giving us pretty much 20, his entire 20, 20, 22. Sh- 22 guys. <laughs> 40, 40 minutes later, I'm done. Sorry. No, it's good. I it's messed good. up. So, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'm going to make mine kind of short and sweet because Gamble took up all my time. No, I'm just kidding. That's my B. <laughs> uh, my biggest surprise this year was, was Zach Wilson. Uh, I think oh, you that, mean Mac Jones? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we can't talk about Mac Jones every show. I would love to have a Mac Jones segment every show but it's not gonna happen i was thinking about choosing i'm like all three shows i'm gonna be talking about mac jones people are gonna think i'm obsessed with them <laughs> it's not you just rename not the like podcast a, <laughs> mac jones podcast <laughs> joe and mac or mac and joe yeah. <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> sorry right. i was thinking about going mac i was like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go zach wilson just because he was probably on radars but not to this level. And now he, he could go top five. I mean, he might be quarterback too. We don't know. So his ascension is as a player. I still have questions about him. I see the tools. I see the game. I see the traits and how they play up. I just have concerns that he wasn't really tested this year. And the times he was tested in 2019, he played three power five games, Tennessee, Washington, and USC, all on the road, I think. And they weren't good. His Washington game was terrible. His USC game was okay, and in his Tennessee game, he really didn't do anything. And it's like, it's kind of – I don't want to say it's a blind projection, but I'm like, that's, maybe it's sticking in my head too much. It's yeah. like, yeah, I, I just don't know. I haven't seen the, the, the tools play up enough for me personally. But he still rose up to a point I don't think any of us thought was coming. And my disappointment was Brock Purdy. I'm going to keep it QB-centric with both of these. Like, whatever your thoughts were on Purdy, uh, he was projected round one by some people, which was a little – a little nuts uh like day two day three guy whatever the case he looked terrible this year before we started the segment we were kind of digging into who we we're gonna be talking about and we're kind of like I, I he doesn't have the best tools in the world but he didn't look like he knew what he was doing like he was forcing up throws that a freshman quarterback would do and that's not what a three-year starter does and yeah. he didn't look like he knew how to manage a game he didn't look like he was didn't look like he was in control of his offense Brees hall was the mvp of that team and that dude's a stud, by the way. And I just – I was kind of like – I wasn't a big Purdy guy, but it was disappointing. It was an interesting year off. for a, a – a, like you said, a three-year starter. For a guy that you expected to come into the year kind of – we knew he didn't have those tools, but we at least expected him to be like a good game manager and always know where to go with the ball and always make good decisions and move his offense. He didn't do that. He didn't know where his answers were. And I was like, what yeah. the hell am I watching right now? This is the well, probably the most surprising thing. It was like, I expected him to at least level off a little bit, even if the, the high level traits weren't there. So those are my two guys. And I'm going to, I'm going like to stick. You know, what you, like concern, you know what concern I had with Wilson? Not to jump all over the place, but uh... – <laughs> I just I used to say this about uh, Manziel, like not to compare the two, but like if I put out a fire that I started, am I a hero? Hey, I used to say that too. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, I probably did. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Does anybody know it? Does anybody know that you started the fire? 
yes. That's a good question. Is there Ooh. a bear in the woods? Some, gal- <laughs> <laughs> Some galaxy brain stuff. But no, that's a good point. Yeah, he'll move off his spot unnecessarily a lot. Or throw sidearm. Like, yeah, you didn't have to, dude. <laughs> Look dope, though. It looks so cool. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I w- one thing to his credit, though, that I don't feel like enough people bring up, when you study uh, the BYU offense, it doesn't do them any favors. Like, even against the trash teams they're playing, look at how little separation any of their guys get, and look at how tight the windows are that he's throwing into. And it's because their system, like, the routes don't complement each other. It's so vertical. It makes no sense why a team with above-average talent playing below-average talent players, like, they're playing teams worse than them. They don't help themselves with their scheme. They could beat teams by a lot more than they are, but they're asking Wilson to throw – big time throws consistently. And I think that's a lot of part, part of the reason why against those three power five teams last year, they struggled so much. Cause they were like, why isn't our system working? And I was like, well, you're not, you're not helping yourselves, you know? And so Wilson's obviously like, I have nowhere to throw the ball. And because he's young still, he's not the type of guy that probably processed that ahead of time being a, a young quarterback. He was kind of lost too. like, why isn't this working? And it just made him look like crap. But even this year, like playing Western Kentucky and a few other teams, his guys are dropping balls. They're not separating. It just looks like they're playing into the opponent's hands when they didn't really need to. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was, that was intelligent I, I got one for and smart. Purdy is a, a gunslinger without the gun. Right? Ooh. <laughs> He's right. He's right. That's it's good. Notes. It's in my notes. It's in my notes. He's got a pea shooter where he thinks his gun is. Ruckus, when you put that down that hero one and that gunslinger one, you were really proud of yourself, weren't you? Yeah, he's crazy. Those, those are awesome. Those are fucking I wrote, sick. Him, I wrote him a few years ago, so I figured at some point I'd use it. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, it. Man. I like it. So that was our uh, biggest surprises <laughs> and biggest disappointment segment. And I think we'll do this in the future too. We'll some sort of variation of the topic so you guys can get a feel of how we see different players and – how our, how our minds work on, on, on the class this year. So you know what time it is now. It's, it's wrap time, which means we're going to close out the show and also bonus topic. We come back right after this break. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so the bonus question for today, sponsored by Sports Ruckus, is <laughs> if you could pick any four college football teams from history, that you would want to see in a playoff, who would they be? So God. I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go first. Two thousand one Miami Hurricanes, two thousand five USC, twenty twelve Alabama, LSU twenty nineteen. Dang! I think right off the top of my head, I was thinking about the Miami and the uh, USC teams. That we said USC. Shoot, yeah, those are those are like the first two I was thinking about. Um, oh man, that LSU team was good too. Who wins? Okay, in your playoff situation, who wins that though? Who's the winner? Uh, two thousand one Miami. Huh. Was it o- was the O two team the one that lost, the one that lost Ohio State or no? Yeah, 
The old two loss, yeah. Maurice Claret team? Okay. Dang. Yeah, I got cheated though. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, wait, hang on. I'm trying to think. Can, can we borrow some of yours? Or we have to yeah, choose different yeah, ones? Of course. Okay. Yeah, no. Because you chose some really good ones. All right. So I think I, I want to see the team. Wait, I forget what year it was. Uh, the year Florida State won the national championship with Jameis when they had Kelvin Benjamin and Rashad Green and um, all those guys. So that year with Jameis, I want. I think I can't leave Burroughs last year. I want that. That team was crazy. I almost want to see them play last year's Alabama again. <laughs> yeah, right. Ah. So I think I want to see Jameis's Seminoles versus Burroughs uh, Tigers. Um, I want to see Cam Newton's. Mm, championship year i want that year i want that team that year and then oh man i want to see bradford back in the playoff the year that he lost to uh florida in the championship i want to see that ou team in today's game because i think they'd have some some stuff for today's college football those are my four yeah Jameis versus burrow then you got bradford and uh what did i say cam cam yeah yeah, I want to see those four teams. And I think I think Jameis the Seminoles win that. Kicks to me. Yeah. I'm trying to go back because I know maybe what teams I forget what which years. So for sure 2019 LSU, just because they beat yeah. the snot out of everybody pretty much. And I want to see if anybody can match them. Um 01 Miami. Yeah. Sure, I'm gonna end up stealing all your guys. Is probably I can't. Do that. <laughs> I'd want to see. I'd want to see Watson second, uh, the year he beat Bama, uh, that Clemson team. Oh, that was a good team. Yeah, um, that's the team I uh, want to see versus LSU. Sorry, you changing yours? No, no, no. But like, just hypothetically, like if those two teams could come together, hell yeah. My last one. Oh man, maybe just to be different. Um, what was it? Tebow's uh, second national title. Yeah, I want to yeah. see that Florida. I'd want to see that Florida team. I just want to say, like, yeah, that, that was a team. With, with love or love or hate Tebow, I just want to. I'd want to see how he would stack up and just, you know, just because he'd make I, it interesting. That's for sure. Here's a hot take, and we're definitely gonna cancel for this one. <laughs> Tebow, Tebow may have been a bad NFL quarterback, but that dude won a playoff game. And, and whatever you want to say, like, well, Demarius Thomas said, okay, but. He had more success than a lot of dudes that still are in the league. They haven't done a damn thing. I just wanted to see Tebow fail. Yeah. Let the guy completely just – he probably <laughs> would have. But it's like he won a playoff game, and then he never got a job again. I was like – He completed, what, nine passes that game? <laughs> and the game Inclu- was- including overtime. Bro, I'm not, I'm not advocating that he was a good starter. All I'm saying is, like, he never got a chance to, to fail. And that's all I would want to see is just to see him kind of. And he was a first round, first round pick. And he was twenty fifth overall or something. Josh McDaniels, baby, kicked out Cutler, got Matt Castle, and drafted Tim Tebow. I puked. (laughs) Or won Matt. Or he got Kyle. He won a Matt Castle. Oh, Oh, that's rough, man. So those are those are my four. And who wins? (sighs) That Miami two thousand one team was so good. You know what? Yeah. I wasn't like, the biggest Watson guy. I think Watson takes it. I wouldn't bet against that guy. Yeah. That team. Yep. I, I go Clemson. So, so Watson's second year championship or whatever. You're you think that beats win. Burroughs' team last year? Yeah, I do. I could see that. You, yeah. yeah. Just because Watson, I think at, at that level, I just don't, it's almost unflappable. So that's where I would go with it. And looking back, there's been some good teams like over the years, like some good individual teams that 
could stack up in a lot of different areas. I like the question, man. That was dope, man. I, I like was that. trying to think. I was like, crap. I gotta, I gotta. I'm trying to think in my head. I'm like, all right, what years? What teams? Yeah, right. Yeah. That, was, that was good. Notice how I said, screw the years. I'm just naming off like teams I remember. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I mean, I had time to look it up. <laughs> Unfair. Oh. So that's our that's our bonus question. Like I said, um, last two weeks has been sports related. So maybe I've got it next week or next yeah. show. So maybe I'll have to I'll have to keep mine sports related. So uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Just kind of to change things up a little bit, have some fun. You guys ready to to close this thing out? Ready. Sure. All right. So um, episode four will be our will be our next one, and we'll have hopefully some some pretty dope topics for you. Uh, thank you to the Brawl Network for allowing once again our awesome, enriching thoughts on football to be promoted on their platform. Thanks, guys. It's been great to work with them, and as they grow, we're going to continue to grow, and we're super excited to be a part of their brand. All right, time to also promote Twitter handles. Oh. Ruckus, you want to go first? Yes, sir. Um, sports Ruckus at Sports Ruckus. That's all. <laughs> it, it's not Sports Ruckus. It, it's at Sports Ruckus, right? At. Okay. Yes, with the at sign. All right. Because it made it seem like it was like Sports Ruckus at Sports Ruckus. We don't want to confuse. That's too team. long. That'd be too long. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Gam Scout, G A M Scout. Cool. I'm uh, at Joey Red Zone. And we are at Big Nickel Scout. All of those are on Twitter. So, again, we want to close this out. We are the Big Nickel Podcast, and we're We're cashing out, baby. (laughs) This is a Brawl Network production. With the first pick in the NFL draft. You're listening to the Big Nickel Scouting Podcast. Well, you want to cry about it, Tom, or you want to make a little magic before the clock runs out on both of us? Here are your hosts, Joe Today, Justin Gamble, and Justin Walters. Football is here, and so is your shot at millions. Thanks to our partnership with DraftKings, all new players can play free for millions with your first deposit. Here's how it works. 1. Create your DraftKings DFS account and make a deposit. 2. DraftKings will credit your account with free entry to these contests. 3. Draft your lineup and go for the millions in top prizes. Just go to dkng.co backslash brawl pod to play. That's dkng.co slash brawl pod. Act quickly. This offer won't be around forever. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.